1: Jokic behind his back. What it uh, tastes like, Jokic? Your sitter. Wow. Uh,
0: as long as they're fans, I'm disappointed. That's all I care about. So the Warrior fans are coming here. The Celtics fans are here. The Lakers fans are coming here. But take that L on the way
1: out. Jokic. Here comes the
0: To the Pickaxe Podcast. It is Zach Mikosh with Denverstiffs.com. Once again, we are without Mr. Gordon Gross this week. Gordon just leaving me hanging. You know what? He didn't even he didn't even ask. I was wondering. I was like, is he going to ask this time if uh, if we're podcasting on Sunday night or not? He did not. Gordon is busted. It's fine. I wouldn't have had time on Sunday night anyways but I did have some time uh, Monday afternoon early evening to do a quick pod for you guys so I figured why not let's get it in and let's let's talk about something right we we're, we're struggling for content over here on the pickaxe podcast because we're supposed to recap what's going on and uh, second second pod in a row not a whole lot going on we um, really actually don't even we don't even have Jamal Murray to give us some unfortunate content uh, for the pod. Not really anything going on this week in terms of the Nuggets specifically. However, the NBA, there were some uh, reports about a potential return for the NBA, what that might look like. Brian Windhorst over at ESPN um, kind of talking about T- looking at China and what they're trying to do is they try to restart their league and, and some of the ideas that were thrown around about what the NBA might do. And uh, I figured why not we'll talk about that since there's not much else going on. And then we'll try and spend the second half of the show still looking forward. We'll still go under the assumption that the nuggets will end up finishing out the season one way or another. It might very well be just a, uh, the playoffs is, it seems to be, that seems to be more and more likely every single day. Um, but which would uh which would of course put the Nuggets against the the Houston Rockets. But I figured we'll also look at the Oklahoma City Thunder, seeing that they are tied right now with the Rockets in terms of record. Uh, obviously, the tiebreakers have the Thunder ahead of the Rockets right now. I'm not sure if that's head to head or if you know, if it's not head to head, then we start to get into that weird who has a better record against what is it conference and then other I don't know. I, I it gets it gets crazy. So um. Anyways, Thunder right now would be sitting fifth if you believe the standings as they're posted up on the old internet. But it could, if the the NBA restarts in some way where they try and get in some of the actual regular season games before before the playoffs, then obviously that could be. Uh, Something that could change very rapidly, whether it's the Nuggets holding the three spot and the Thunder falling to six or the Nuggets who are not that far ahead of the Utah Jazz sitting in four, you know, falling back to four and the Thunder staying in five. Um, The Thunder are, I would say, the next most likely playoff opponent right now, if not for the Houston Rockets, who are clearly the most likely because that's who the Nuggets would play if the NBA decides to restart and just play the playoffs so we'll spend the second half of the show um, looking at those two teams and what a playoff matchup with them might look like let's let's get into it first though in terms of just the general picture of the playoffs or or however the nba might restart brian windhorse had uh, a report on espn this week kind of talking about that uh, the nba is is sort of looking at the the way china has tried to restart uh, their professional basketball league and seeing what they can learn from that, seeing uh, what we can maybe expect here in the NBA, um, and 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 I think the overwhelming theme of, of the article and is what everybody is is seeing right now in terms of what's going on in the world is that if, and that's a, it's a big if right now there's a lot of unknowns and it seems less and less likely that the NBA is going to restart with every single day right every single day it seems like we're hearing something new something different about uh the way the coronavirus is impacting uh, our country and and it, the way we're we're struggling at least right now to to keep up with it and and to flatten out the curve um and we're we're kind of expecting this to not we're not we're not at the peak of this thing yet, right? So until we get, we can start saying hey we're we're getting past this we're over the hump, it's really kind of hard, right? Nobody knows exactly when to say that that point is going to be. So, um, but when we do get to that point, what we can probably expect is. The NBA would would restart in a scenario where there would most likely not be any fans because it's it's you're trying to look at, I think, a situation where it's like, OK, well, how can we ensure that our players, our referees, our coaching staffs, everyone who's going to be required for a basketball game to occur? Um, how can we ensure that they're safe and they're all um, healthy and and make sure that we're not exposing them to risk. And it becomes really hard, right? Because, well, obviously you can't have any fans and because you can't account for every single fan and whether or not um, they're healthy or not. So you've got that issue, which pretty much eliminates them entirely, but you've also got to minimize staff as much as possible. And you've got to minimize interactions outside of the games with your players, with your referees, with your coaching staff, with anyone who's essential to the broadcast. Because again, you can't control the outside world you can't control the virus the only thing you can possibly try and do is control the environment in which everyone who you are going to use to perform this operation is in so you're kind of at this point what we're hearing is you're talking about putting you know limiting the games to certain cities like one or two cities right maybe you have each conference in their own city and, and those players and all the, the people involved in the operation are in some sort of quarantine situation, um, uh Where, where, I mean, I don't know. What does that look like? We've heard a lot, maybe like talk about like Vegas, right? So like maybe do the Western Conference playoffs in Vegas in a hotel that's, you know, emptied out. I think the MGM is somebody's, uh, thrown out there, but right then Vegas, they have hotels with full size basketball courts. They could, um, they could play a game in and potentially do a broadcast from, I think there was, there's some other crazy ideas. They had something about, um, I can't even remember. It was like, maybe like a roller derby rink or something like that, where there was a, like a track and field indoor track and field arena where they could make it uh, quick, quickly turn it into a basketball court. That's set up solely for TV broadcasting. Um, But no matter what, you're talking about bringing, like, that's what it seems like the the answer is going to be right now. Or at least that seems the most likely chance of a restart is we are bringing everyone involved in the NBA operation of of doing the playoffs or regular season or whatever it is into one area or a very small, maybe two cities, something like that. Keeping them all housed in one area, quarantined from the rest of the world, and then then we finish out the season. It's... There's a ton of risk to that because you got you, you got to be able to guarantee every single person in that operation stays quarantined, which is, I mean, it's tough. I think I think if if players and and others look are looking at, at the risk of losing their checks for it, then they, they they probably do it. But again, it it only takes like one person breaking the rules, um, to to infect the entire operation. So there's a ton of risk. But let's say let's let's at least entertain the idea that it could happen and that the the NBA could pull off something like that where, okay, we're going to take all the teams in the playoffs and we're going to take them out to the MGM Grand Inn in Vegas and we're going to keep them all housed in that hotel, quarantined, and they're going to go to and from their rooms down to the basketball court where they're going to play games and they're going to go back up to their rooms and and you're going to have basically no contact with the outside world, right? I mean, it's feasible. It's logistically possible. Possible, like I said. I think there's a ton of risk, but let's say they they pull it off and they and they decide to do that. How would that affect the Denver Nuggets? Like, how would how would it in terms of of momentum and getting the restart? Like, how would this? affect Denver and their ability to perform in the playoffs in comparison to what had been a regular um uh, standard playoff situation, right? Where they play home games, uh three four home games at first and then three on the road at if the, they won seven, right? It's you know, standard playoff scenario i think you you got to look at kind of um you got to start looking at more of the the behind the scenes or i guess the mental aspects of thing denver is still a very young team so i think that's the first thing you look at and in my personal opinion is a younger team is probably a little bit more set up uh for success in this scenario for a couple of reasons there's the momentum thing and and the crowd factor right which which we're almost guaranteed to see even if they figure out a way to have players play on their home courts right it's the almost guaranteed that if the nba is going to restart the season it will not be with fans in the stands so eliminating that crowd factor uh you you would think for the teams that are seeds one through four, it would be a detriment, right? Because they ha- had home court advantage. And I think that is certainly true. No matter what, no matter what team it is, they would much rather be able to play at home court with a full crowd than on a neutral site or even in their home court without a crowd, right? Like if you had the choice, you're always going to take your arena packed with your fans. That would be your first choice to play any game. They're not going to get that, and so that would hurt, you would think, most teams um, with home court advantage in the first round or, or beyond. Now, for the Nuggets, as a three seed, you know, it's probably only going to be the first round that they would have home court advantage anyway. So that's really only what you're talking about is whether or not it would hurt them in that scenario. And I think in comparison to some of the other teams, the, the Lakers, um, the Clippers, the Jazz, more veteran teams – uh, the Jazz maybe not as much, but they're they they're gonna be guys who are are creature. My my I guess, my theory is that that the veteran players are gonna have a harder time dealing with that than the young guys would, because the veteran guys are more likely to be creatures of habit. They're more likely to have families um that are set up at, in their hometowns. You know, they're more likely to be well into their regular lives, whereas young guys, guys in their early twenties. I mean, I know for me, for a fact, like. I and I, I travel, I've always wanted to travel for work, um, when I was a younger guy, because you don't have a ton of, a ton to look, be responsible for in your life other than yourself, right? Most of these guys don't have kids. Some do. Um, most of them are not married. Some are, but they're, they're able to be fairly mobile and they're able to just, younger people are just easier at adapting to change. I think, um, than, than maybe the veterans would be. Um, and so it's, I think in that from that scenario it plays pretty well into the Nuggets hands because they these guys are you know they're 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 young men right they're for most of the part like Jokic is a, he's a young uh guy he just got engaged uh not too long ago but he doesn't have any kids he's he's just living you know he's living the bachelor life more or less with a girlfriend and now a fiance um but you know he's living that young person's life where you're you're very flexible you're very liquid in the way you're able to move around in the world as as we've already seen i mean Jokic has been moving around to different cities since he was 16 years old um Jamal Murray same thing young guy right he's not married he's got he's got no kids he's he's out can uh be the type of person you would think too, like he's such a gym rat in the the same way that like for him, like it's very, he's one of those guys, right? He's responsible only for himself and he's a total gym rat. So whether that gym is in Denver, Colorado or Las Vegas, Nevada, or wherever, Phoenix, Arizona, you know, like it wouldn't, it's going to be the same to him. He's going to be able to adapt to that really easily. So that from that angle, I think the Nuggets would probably have an advantage at a neutral site. Now from the young guys, from the young guys, uh, are probably more likely to be the ones to break the rules, just as you know, I mean, this is what we know about human beings is the experience is a great teacher to, for you to take things more seriously. And so, um, if, if, for example, they get everybody out there and then somebody ends up breaking quarantine and, and got, got COVID-19, right? Like, you would My money would be on it would be a younger player, not an older player, just because that's just the way, again, the way kind of humans are. So um, maybe from that standpoint, uh, you would you would not think the Nuggets would be at an advantage. But it's so hard to say. I mean, it still comes down to the individuals, right? It comes down to every single person and making their own personal choices. And some people are going to make better choices than other. And that's not necessarily going to be all determined on their age. So I don't think you can look into that. Uh, too much. So I really, I honestly kind of figure that the Nuggets um, would mostly actually benefit from playing at a neutral site because they're going to be a younger team. They're going to be more, more adaptive to change. And honestly, they didn't win a bunch of games last year at home court. Yes, they were better on their home court than they were on their road. But when you think about it, they lost four games on the road. They lost three games at home. So they didn't they didn't really change up the dynamic too much in the playoffs last season based on what court they were playing. So even though you would think they would prefer to have their own their own court at the Pepsi Center packed with fans, everybody screaming for the Nuggets, I just don't see it as being that big of an impact for them as maybe some of these other teams. And I really do honestly believe uh, if we got onto a neutral site, the Nuggets would at least be I'd be able to deal with it better um, than other teams they would be more adaptive uh, to the change now the the thing that I think that we have to kind of you know preface all of this or or, or put an asterisk to all of this talk is I still am of the belief that I don't think it's very likely that the season is going to restart at all and that's simply because as i was saying when horse was kind of talking about it was like hey we're trying to look at china and take lessons from china everybody as the sports world is watching china because they're the they're they're the ones who should try and return first but but as he reported whether it's been china now the cba has continuously been pushing back their start date whether it's professional leagues in korea or japan nobody has been able to actually get it going again right nobody has yet to come back out of this thing and get things started so we're not sure we're not sure that there's gonna be anything to restart and I think that that still remains to this day the most likely scenario is that this season is going to end up being lost so, it's fun to think about, Hey, where, what would happen? Like, you know, it's kind of fun to think about like, like doing like the big three, right? And, and maybe this, this is what the NBA is going to have to try and sell is let's get everybody down at the MGM. Let's, let's, you know, we'll tape every practice. We'll do training camp. We'll do, we'll do a behind the scenes. They used to do that show on, on NBA.com. The nuggets were, were the subject of it one year. It was great. It was awesome. Um, but I think it's called like behind the association. You do that for, for all the playoff teams. Let's get all the playoff teams in the MGM grand. Let's take them down to practices and tape the practices. Let's tape the interviews with the coaches. Let's talk about being in quarantine. And at the same time, let's play some playoff basketball that would sell. I mean, you would make millions. It would be like every single person, in the world would watch that because they want to watch something. The problem is how do you do it? How do you keep all of the players within quarantine, all of the refs, all of the broadcast teams, the logistics are still a nightmare. And because of that, color me skeptical. I just don't see it happening. It would be awesome. I would love it. But I just, I just have a hard time seeing uh, them being able to pull it off. If they do sign me up, man, I will, I will have, my popcorn ready. All right, well let's let's go ahead. Let's hit a break, and when we get back, we will take a look at at a couple of playoff opponents. Why not? If if for some, no matter how it happens, I guess we'll we'll we'll, we'll take it from the idea of it would be without fans in the stands. But we'll look at let's look at how the Nuggets would match up against the Houston Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder in a playoff matchup, and and at least we'll we'll entertain the thought. Uh, So stick with us, we'll do that right after the break.
1: We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest,
0: Podcast. It is Zach Mikosh with Denverstiffs.com. Gordon Gross is not with us, but we are rolling right through, right through a whole lack of uh, Nuggets news, let me tell you. But we, we're gonna we're gonna make like it's August and we're gonna just make up topics and subjects to talk about because that's that's what we do when you're in the business of creating content. So after I spent the first half of the show saying I don't I still don't think it's pos- very likely that the NBA playoffs get played. If they were to play, the Nuggets would be most likely to either play the Houston Rockets or Oklahoma City Thunder. If the NBA restarts immediately saying we're going straight to the playoffs, only these 16 teams are coming back, everybody else it's the offseason, we're going with the standings as they stand right now, that is going to put Denver against the Houston Rockets. They are tied in the standings, at least record-wise, with the Oklahoma City Thunder, though, and the Nuggets... um, are not that far ahead of the Utah Jazz. So there, there's certainly an opportunity there where we could see the Nuggets playing the Thunder as well. So we'll cover those two teams. Um, and I don't know, maybe next week we'll do... Um, we'll do, like, the the Jazz and the, and the Mavericks or something like that. A little less likely that the Nuggets would play one of those two teams, but still in the realm of possibility, at least if the NBA tries to get some of the regular season in. Um, let's start with the Rockets. <coughs> they are... They are the most likely team, I think, because I, I do think if we restart, we're most likely probably just playing the playoffs, and that's where who the Nuggets' current matchup is. Um, it's really a tough a tough one to read because Denver has not played Houston since Houston had a massive kind of philosophy change. They traded Clint Capella to the Atlanta Hawks. They got Robert Covington back from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Nuggets, of course, involved in that deal as well. That was the deal that sent Wancho and... Malik Beasley to Minnesota, um, got the Rockets' first round pick back to Denver. It basically Houston goes all in on small ball, and they had a great they had a great start to uh, to that era. I think they they won. I mean, they ran off like what it was like four or five wins in a row or something like that. Um, they played. Yeah, I even mean more than that, I think it was six in a row. They rattled off six wins in a row. Um, it looked like, hey, we're smarter than everyone. You all thought it was crazy. Um, then they lost four straight before beating Minnesota, and then and then the season was postponed. So it's hard to kind of get an idea of where is this. Houston Rockets team at they're they're a team that we know at this point is going to try and shoot a lot of threes they're going to try and run a lot they're going to they're going to try and get up and down the court um and they're going to beat you with small ball that's they're they're all in on on the small ball which is a lot it seems like a lot more doable in 2020 than than in you know um the the mid-2000s when when D'Antoni was was doing something similar with uh with the Phoenix Suns, even then he still had Amari Stoudemire, um, and Tyson Chandler. Right was on that team as well, uh, back in the day, um, maybe not Tyson Chandler. I'm even thinking of something else. But anyways, I'm way off track here. Um, you're trying to see how how this Houston team can uh, match up against the Nuggets, and you don't have any sort of barometer to go off of because the Nuggets haven't played them. But what we do know is, or what we what I would theorize. Is, is that the Nuggets have the guy who's probably going to be the most difficult to defend in that scenario, which is an ultra-skilled big, and there's no more skilled big on offense than Nikola Jokic. And you... <laughs> The thing is, is, is you're not going to be able to defend that guy in the post. And the Nuggets could do this. Like that's a, in a playoff matchup, especially where it's where the, the pace tends to grind down a little bit more and you get into more half court sets. You think that that seems like that would hurt a team like the Houston Rockets, who are going to be trying to get up and down the court and don't have anyone who can come close to defending one of the best post scorers in the league right now in Nicole Jokic. So from that viewpoint it seems like this this matchup would tilt towards the Nuggets' side. But again, it's hard to say because we haven't really seen Denver play this version of the Houston Rockets. What I also think is very likely, as this game comes down a lot to the three-point ball, the the Rockets, as I said, are going to need to shoot a lot of threes regardless of who they play. But it also means the Nuggets are going to have to keep uh, Houston honest on the double-teams By hitting their own threes. Because obviously what the Rockets are going to have to try and do here anytime Jokic gets the ball particularly down low is they're going to have to bring a double team. Which means if Torrey Craig is out there, if Gary Harris is out there, Will Barton, Jeremy Grant, whoever it is, these guys are going to have to knock down their shots when they are open because the double team is coming to Jokic. We know Jokic will swing it to him. But what we don't know, particularly when we think of the shooting guard position in Gary Harris and Torrey Craig, Will they hit that shot consistently enough to keep the defense honest or to make the defense pay? Because I think no matter what, Houston is going to take the threes from from Gary Harris or Torrey Craig over the, the matchup of Jokic one-on-one against Robert Covington or whoever, PJ Tucker, whoever it might be down there in the post. So those guys are going to have to step up. I think you're gonna, you could see those guys hit six of seven threes in one game, and Houston would keep the same strategy and go at it again because they're gonna make you prove it over an entire series because they know Jokic can prove it. We've seen this. We've seen Jokic in the playoffs against teams who had less than ideal centers, right? If you're gonna bring an Enos Cantor or a Jakob Pertl against Nicole Jokic, you're gonna have a really hard time beating the Denver Nuggets. Now, obviously, the Portland Trailblazers did it last season, but it wasn't because Jokic. Well, didn't have an absolutely monster series against them. It was just Nuggets couldn't hit a three to save their life. It was the same scenario, and that's that's how they almost lost against the Spurs as well. So it comes down to that series, I think, more so than any would come down to, can the Nuggets hit the threes? Can the Rockets hit threes? And um, who would be, you know, whoever... whoever is better at that and most likely wins. And I think the Rockets would have to shoot a better percentage um, in a win than say the Nuggets would in a win, right? Like the Nuggets might have to just shoot around as a team, 38, 37% kind of right around league average. um, So long as they just, you know, like I said, as long as they can keep things honest. Then they probably um ha- and knock down the open ones. Then they probably have a good shot winning. Whereas Houston probably the team you know is in the 40s in terms of average three point percentage if they're going to get a win because that's that's what they're going to have to no matter what I think. Houston, whether, they, whether they're they successfully bringing double teams and Denver's not hitting great uh, from outside, no matter what, I think just to overcome what Jokic alone will be able to do to them uh, offensively, they're going to have to shoot an outstanding percentage from three-point line. It's just it's just how they're going to have to do it, and they're going to have to get a lot of possessions um, as well. So I think from that viewpoint, the... Uh, the the nuggets are again in a better position to to win the series because they they probably just have to just have to be good enough they don't have to necessarily be great from the three-point line um but houston can be great from the three-point line we've certainly seen that uh over over the the course uh, of these guys careers they've had some struggles as of late and that's part of why they went on that losing streak uh so they've got to they've got to maybe get that figured out and maybe this break helps them do that um so it's not – just because I think Houston would have to shoot better than the Nuggets would in order to get a win, um, it's not – I'm not saying by any means that they could not do it. Uh, the other thing that I think is an interesting wrinkle to think about in the Houston series is say the NBA comes back, but they're going to go back to the you know early 2000s, late 90s, and before um, – playoff format of it's a five-game first-round series, then I think that plays more into the Houston Rockets because I think overall, when I look at it, my feeling is that Jokic and his size advantage and his ability are going to more often than not get the win against the Houston Rockets than, than Houston's ability to run up and down the court and and hit a bunch of threes and, and play a fast-paced small ball game um, and just overwhelm the Nuggets. Particularly in the postseason, I think that's uh, that's the case. So, in order for Houston to get a win, right, they're going to have to have things kind of go their way a little bit. I think they're going to have to have a little bit of luck there, and they're more likely to have you know they are they have to sustain less luck or less good fortune or just less good play uh less great play over a shorter series it's just, it's just you play fewer games you need you need less of that right so that I think would play into Houston's uh advantage I think over a seven game series it's tough to see them being able to win against Denver most likely twice because the, in Denver because we we won the nuggets and have the home court advantage. See, again, I, I was just about to go into this whole thing about home court advantage, and I was like, well, why? It doesn't matter. Never mind, scratch day. Um, so that, that, that again, would work, I think, from the neutral site uh, standpoint, would also work well for Houston in a shorter series. I think it's fewer games with when you take the crowds out of it, you're more susceptible to... Uh, kind of the the strange happening if you will or or the 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 underdogs um finding the win whereas the more games you play the more things kind of normalize you kind of get into uh the routine of just playing that same team over and over again um the 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 more talented team uh, would would overall win and I think for Denver against Houston it, Denver's got the talent advantage because the and the matchup advantage right and there is no crowd advantage of taking that out um, so it's really only just kind of uh, the, the the randomness if you will uh, of of playing the game that they could if Denver just gets in a little bit of a slump uh, that that's they'll have less time to rectify it if it's a five game series so that's an interesting wrinkle I think to look at in terms of Houston. Versus <clears throat> the the standard playoff uh, formats that we're used to. So the second team, as, as we uh, said, would be that the Nuggets would be the most likely to play would be Oklahoma City, who is at the same record as Houston, but has a tiebreaker advantage and is uh, technically ahead in standings, technically sitting in the five seed right now. But should the NBA restart some version of the regular season, you would figure uh, Oklahoma City, there's a good chance Denver could end up playing the Thunder, and I think it's it's a totally, totally different matchup that you're looking at, whereas with Houston, you're looking down low, and how does Houston handle Nikola Jokic? With Oklahoma City, I think it's much more, how does Jamal Murray handle Chris Paul? Because we've seen sort of a resurgence. It's kind of the weirdest thing. Chris Paul, a guy who was Uh, not even thought to be on the roster still with Oklahoma City, and most people have, have, and still even kind of to this day continue to think that the the Thunder are heading into a rebuild. Um, Chris Paul, though, has kind of had really a, a very strong season as the leader of a team who is right there in the midst of, the, of a playoff run and it's it's been sort of a, a kind of renaissance for him it's kind of weird he's scoring more but he's assisting less he's having I think his worst season um, of the year of, of his career in terms of assists he is even worse than his rookie season uh, and but his points are back up after he had his worst season of his career last year in terms of points uh, with the Rockets. The other thing that, that has been uh, different that he hasn't seen in, in quite some time is is he's been healthy. Uh, he's only missed one game so far this entire season. And, and he's been, like I said, he's been not, it's not a matter of him like not playing less. I mean, he play he's playing right around 32 minutes, which is more or less what he's been averaging since he's been, you know, in his thirties uh, as, as a player. So He's, he's been the real deal. I mean, he really has, he, he was an all-star this season. It was well-deserved. Um, and he's, he's played uh, outstanding ball for Oklahoma city. And, and when you talk about a guy, who you know over the course of his entire career has played way more playoffs um than than Jamal Murray uh, Jamal Murray's total playoff games 14 Chris Paul total playoff games 102 so just a little bit of difference there uh, you you're talking about a guy who's who's not in any way going to be um, Caught up in the moment, I don't think. And, and when you, you just guys, when you think about their mentality and, the, and their approach, like Chris Paul is one of those guys who, even though I was talking before about how young guys might be better, more adaptive to to the change that a, a weird sort of quarantine playoff scenario would would be, Chris Paul's one of those guys you feel like, yeah, he'd probably still be able to get to it because that guy's just, he's just a grinder and he's got that mentality, right? He's got that laser focused mentality to just be able to lock in um, no matter what the situation is. So y- you think about, all of that in terms of the the matchup specifically with Paul and Murray. And, and it makes you think that's at least makes me think that's where you're most likely to see uh, this series swing one way or the other. If you know if Jamal is is not on if he's struggling with his shot. Then it really kind of would turn the tide. And Chris Paul is because Chris Paul is is a really good defender in terms of he he's going to harass you. He's going to make you earn it. You're going to see a lot of if you play him in the playoffs. You're going to see a lot of Chris Paul um, giving you pressure early on. Sometimes before you right after you cross the half court line. Sometimes even before that. Sometimes he's going to give you a full court press, and that's going to that throws some guys off. It infamously you know Emmanuel Moutier struggled mightily. Uh, against Chris Paul because he would just harass him and it would just get get into him and he would hurt him for having a bad handle and that's something that Jamal Murray not the greatest handle as well um, he he's going to have to find a way to deal with that pressure that Chris Paul brings and the, the thing though that you have working in your advantage is is there's a clear size advantage in Jamal. Jamal's a big point guard, uh, and Chris Paul's a little bit undersized for the point guard position. So you'd you think if Jamal can exert his will on on offense, or in some cases just shoot over Chris Paul, like then that matchup works for you. But the big problem is, is if it doesn't, if he's struggling, well then you don't have to give a different resource to, to um, defending him, which means on the same side, Gary Harris or Will Barton also has to continue to keep the defense on. It's probably Gary Harris more than anybody because Gary Harris is either going to get Lou Dort uh, or Terrence Ferguson, or maybe even, in, you know, w- considering the, nugget, or the, the NBA's gone on this break, uh, Andre Roberson was also getting very close um, to returning. He probably would be back in a playoff scenario. Now, how they integrate him when he's been out for so long, how he looks when he's been out for so long, that's all still very much in the up in the air. But we do know the guy before he got hurt. An outstanding defender, right? He was he's on a starting lineup on 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 a playoff team, and he can shoot a lick. Uh, and he was uh, he's a wing. The whole reason is because the guy was an outstanding defender, and and we've seen what Lou Dort can do, and the kind of energy and defense that guy brings. Um, and Terrence Ferguson just brings brings some extra length. You could even if if Jamal has his shot going, and and Will Barton or Gary Harris does not, you could take one of those guys and shift them over because. Gary Harris is only 6'4", 6'5", as well. Um, Will Barton's not much taller than that. Like, you you don't have any problem rotating Chris Paul onto Barton or onto Gary Harris if you need to, uh, to bring one of those other defenders onto um, Jamal Murray. So... It really comes down to, for the Nuggets, I think, can their backcourt perform on the offensive side? Uh, and then can they simply contain on the defensive side? Because the thing is, is on the defensive end, the nice thing about the Oklahoma City matchup is that they don't necessarily have a ton in the way of taking advantage of the Nuggets' lack of size, right? Denver's biggest weakness in their starting lineup defensively is they don't have very much size in their wings. So when you go up against the Los Angeles Lakers or Los Angeles Clippers, when you got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and LeBron James out there, it's very, very difficult uh, for the Nuggets to defend against that because their biggest guy on the wing is is Will Barton. And then so then they're trying to rotate in Jeremy Grant and get him to play small forward when he maybe is more ideally suited to play power forward, you know, so things like that. Um, OKC can't can't take advantage of that. They're, they're, one, not terribly strong on the wings, just kind of in general. I mean, they've got, you know, decent role players, but not... They're not they don't have their that's not where their star players are at that's not where their best players are at um, and even the guys they have are fairly undersized as well so um, or at least they don't have a height advantage it's kind of hard to call Lou Dort undersized because the guy's like a freaking brick house but um, they, they don't have the length that that other teams have so they can't take advantage of the nuggets. Uh, lack of length. So so defensively you just really got to kind of hold serve, don't let or even let Chris Paul kill you, just don't, you know, just defend the three point line, uh, rebound strong. Obviously, Stephen Adams is is a little bit um of of a of a problem or has been a problem for the Nuggets particularly on the offensive glass. So you've got to make sure to keep him um off the boards as much as possible. Don't let Gallo kill you from 3, you know that guy's, you know, we know what that guy's about. Uh, but it, defensively, I think you just have to be fundamentally sound, and, and you you gain an advantage over Oklahoma City. It's on the offensive side. It's on the it's on your backcourt and the the consistency issue there. Can they be consistent, particularly from the three point line? And if they can, I think against the Thunder, you would see the Nuggets uh, get a pretty pretty easy win. If if they can't, I think they're still I still lean their way. I think they can struggle their way through like and go to like a game seven kind of like very similar to like what we saw with uh, the San Antonio Spurs last season. Um, but if they if they can just come out and 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 hit from the three three point range, I think this is like a, a five game six game max kind of series. So uh, all right, let's go ahead. We will we will just go ahead and wrap it up right there. A little bit shorter this week, but. What can I tell you? We're in a we're in a crazy time here in the world. So you're going to end up with uh, roughly 40 minute podcasts instead of roughly 45 to 50 minute podcasts. Just the way it rolls. Uh, we will try and be back again next week. We'll see what happens, man. Anything could happen. Um, we're going to keep this thing rolling as much as possible. I do want to close with one final thought here on the podcast. I saved this to the end because I'm. Um, Well, because you know, I just it's not Nuggets related. uh, this week, all of the SB Nation contractors and I believe all of um Vox Media contractors in California will be have their contracts terminated due to the new AB five law. uh, I want to just give a shout out to all of our our friends and colleagues who have put in so much of their careers and their dedications to their sites, um. It's been it's been an honor to to have all of you as colleagues and and I know so many of you are going on to new endeavors that are going to be far greater and hopefully far more fruitful and um, hopefully you'll be able to actually get to see the the or earn or enjoy I guess the the fruits of your labors whereas at SB Nation as we've seen no matter how hard you have worked for them at the end of the day. It comes down to who owns property rights, intellectual property rights, and not much else, which is unfortunate. So I want to give a shout out to everyone out there um, in California who has been an espionation contractor. We are thinking of you. We are following you guys. We are making sure uh to see what you are doing next. Make sure you guys are out looking at for the Kings Herald 213 hoops. Uh, I'm not sure who, what the Lakers guys are doing over there. I know you can follow Anthony Irwin on the locked on NBA and I think locked on Lakers, uh, podcast. So make sure you guys are checking him out there. Our golden state of mind boys, I believe are doing a new, uh, a new site as well. Um, so make sure you guys are trying to follow along with them and see what they're doing, but everybody go out there, whatever SB nation, California, uh, blog whether it's you know whatever sport it is out there that you were following i I highly encourage you to do two things i highly encourage you to find where these uh where these people are going what their next endeavors are and supporting them in any way you can these these People are all fantastic writers who have put in so much work and everything that makes ASP Nation great was made great by their contractors and no one else. So wherever these contractors go next, um, that's where you're going to get the content and the the quality that you've come to expect. The second thing I would tell you is, is understand that whoever stays at SB Nation and, and and guides these sites in the future, don't hold it against them. These are still, these people are, are good. These are good jobs for these people. And they're going to, they're going to try and carry this on um in the next, next generation of what SB Nation is as best they can. You can't, don't knock the individuals uh, for the uh, making a good career move for them and and hopefully you know they come from an SB Nation contractor background that's that's what we want to see the most. Um, if you're going to be angry, be angry at SB Nation themselves and, and Vox media not even really SB Nation. be angry at Vox media who who is has profited off the hard work of these contractors um, for who they've paid basically nothing. Um, for out, throughout the duration why they built this empire and and now have, are are leaving them out on um, out on the doorstep so with that being said <clears throat> you can follow me i still will <laughs> i still work for sp nation um at least for the time being so follow me over on twitter at zach me kosh uh, make sure you're following gordon as well at g money nugs we are on Twitter at Denver Stiffs at Pickaxe Podcast or on Instagram at The Denver Stiffs. Make sure you're also subscribing to the YouTube channel as well as the Denver Skiffs, Denver Skiffs, Denver Stiffs Podcast Network. Um, That is how you will get this show, The Dig, Nuggets, Numbers, and The Denver Stiff Show. I was on The Denver Stiff Show just last week. It was great. Me, Nick Herzog, Ryan Blackburn. We talked a lot about uh, video games and and what we're doing these days. So um, make sure you guys are checking that out as well. Like I said, if you're subscribing to The Denver Stiff Podcast Network, you will get all those shows straight to your listening device. All right, everybody. With that, we will talk to you next week.